Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you would please stand for the reign of God's Word if you're able to. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Begin reading verse 1. It says, But the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and the love and love, and for the helmet, for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but, every follow, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you look there again in verse 23, it says, And, be, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, Blameless Unto His Coming. And let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. We thank you for the day. We thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy that you've shown to each of us by even bringing us back here tonight. Lord, it's by your grace that we're saved through faith. And we thank you for that. Lord, it's by your mercies, Lord, that we're not consumed. It's by your mercies, Lord, that you forgive us when we fail you and sin against you. We thank you, Lord, for those mercies and that goodness to us. Now, Lord, I pray that you would challenge our hearts, Lord, as we look at the Scripture. Give us something tonight, Lord, that will strengthen us and guide us to be a good witness and testimony even this week. I pray for those who are, are sick and those who are battling illnesses. And, Lord, I pray that you touch their bodies and raise them up. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd be with us this night. Blessing the services and the preaching of thy word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Paul is writing here to the Thessalonians and he's 
laying out and concerning the coming of the Lord. And, and now he's closing out this, this letter. There's two letters here, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. Those are letters that was written unto him. And he's closing out the first one. He's, at, he's already been talk, uh, writing to him about the coming of the Lord and, and so forth. And as he ends it out, he's, he gives them some advice of how to live blameless and, and, and be prepared for the return of the Lord as he comes to catch him out in the rapture of the church. Well, in the first part of the chapter, if we look at that, he tells them, he reminds them that they should not be taken by surprise. That it shouldn't be something that's unknown to them, something that seems strange that would happen unto them, that it would, as the Lord would come back in the air, like it would be to the lost world. Look with me there, it says in verse 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. He said, listen, there's no reason for you not to understand what's going on. He said, there's no reason for you to look at what's taking place in the world and, and not perceive that the return of the Lord is coming. And I believe that that was written for, he said, well, it was written so many years ago, almost 2,000 years ago, that was written a preacher, and he was telling them that, yes, because the Lord could have came at that time. But there's many things that's taken place during that, since then that we've seen as the fulfilling of Scripture, and, and the return of the Lord is even closer than, we, than, than it's ever been before. Uh, there's a lot of things I've, I've, I've seen during this day and time which we're living in, how that uh, different things, the wars and, and rumors of wars that's spoken of there in Matthew. Also, the famines. Uh, they're saying now that uh, as far as the world goes, because of this war that's going on in Ukraine and Russia and so forth, could present great famine uh, in the world uh, because of different reasons, uh, some of it being because of some of the fertilizers, different things that is not able to get around and different, you know, the whole story, it all goes around. And so that's another fulfilling of that. The rumors of wars, uh, Russia is already now uh, threatening Finland and, and Sweden and them. Uh, hey, listen, if you, uh, even one of their parliament men there, or leaders, I don't think it's a parliament, whatever it is there that they have in, in Russia, came out, one of the leaders there and said it to Finland, hey, listen, he said, uh, uh, we'll nuke you if you do it, if you, if you, if you join NATO. And so on and on goes the, the, the rhetoric and all the things, and we could go into so many uh, different things, but I'm not, I'm not here to preach about that tonight. I mean, that's, that, that's something that is on my mind a lot because of what I'm seeing take place, and I see that, and you hear me talk about it a lot when I'm preaching, but I'm not, I'm not here to preach about that tonight. But what I'm here to preach about is the fact that there's some things that we need to understand during this time. There's some, some things in our lives that we need to make sure are in place during this time. There's some things that the Lord wants us to follow after during this time. As the Lord returns, is getting closer. There's some things that He wants us to understand. Part of that is that He wants us to understand that, there, that the rapture will take place before the tribulation. Paul goes on, he leaves that and talks about, hey, listen, you need to understand uh, that, the, that the rapture could happen at any time and and you need to be prepared. He goes on down. A lot of people, uh, there's a, there's this, uh, uh, controversy, this, uh, um, uh, battling back and forth of when 
the, tribu- or the tribulation and the rapture. When is it going to come together? Some say, and I'm, I'm, I believe that the Bible is plain, that it's a pre-tribulation rapture. Otherwise, we're caught out of here. If you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, He comes in the air. He catches us out of here. The dead will rise first, and all who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That is called the rapture. Then, after that, at some point, the tribulation starts. That's called a pre-trib uh, a rapture. There are some who believe in what they call a mid-trib. Otherwise, at the mid-place of uh, tribulation, at the three-and-a-half-year mark, that there will be a, the rapture of the church at that point. I don't believe that the Bible bears that out. And you go to some others that believe in a post-trib, and that is where the rapture happens at the end of the seven years. I, I don't believe that happens. And Paul, I believe in Paul's writings here, in this very verses that we read, lay some of that out for us. And so you might want to underline, I'm going to give you some verses here and explain it just a little bit uh, so that you have an understanding if somebody asks you about that. But first of all, look there at verse 8. Paul lays out a case for a pre-trib rapture. In verse 8 it says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for an helmet uh, for an helmet, the hope of salvation. He says, listen, he said, we have that hope. We have that hope of salvation. But the very next verse, and I would underline this in your Bible, right out to the side, pre-trib, and, and so that you, you can go back and refer to it. And actually verse 8 goes with it, but verse, verse 9 there, notice what he says, for God hath not appointed us, un, uh, us to wrath. He's not appointed us to wrath. Underline that if you, if you mark in your Bible, underline that. He's not appointed us under wrath. But to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, and sleep means to be dead, we should live together with Him, otherwise go to be with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. He's talking about the return of the Lord to catch the church out. And this is a pre-trib is what he's talking about here. Throughout the scripture, you go in the Old Testament, you go in the New Testament, the Bible talks about the wrath of God being poured out on a certain time. It talks about in the tribulation period being the wrath of God, the great wrath of God being poured out in the tribulation. And the Bible here tells us, and Paul's saying, for God hath not appointed us to wrath. He said, you're not going to have to go through the wrath of God. You're not going to have to go through that tribulation period in which the wrath of God is poured out. And so he's talking about the fact that, that we'll be removed prior to that day of his wrath. The dead in Christ will be raised to meet him in the air. And all that are alive and have received him as Savior will join him. If you back up into chapter 4 there in verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of, an arch, of the archangel and with the trump of God. Then the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up to get there with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Again, he's telling them to comfort one another. He said, listen, it's going to be all right. He said, you've not been appointed. You've not been appointed unto the wrath of God. He's going to catch you out of here. He was talking about the rapture. He said, he's going to catch you out of here before the wrath of God is poured out in the tribulation. And so Paul is, is trying to ease them, trying to get them to understand, yes, the rapture is coming. Yes, it's going to come before the tribulation period because we've not been appointed under wrath. But he goes on from that point and he says, now listen, there's some things that you need in your life. 
There's some ways that you need to live. There's some things that need to be included in your daily walk with, with me and, and, and how that you're to live in this world as you're preparing, as you're looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on and he begins to lay those things out for them. First of all, look here with me. It says that the believer should desire to be found blameless at his coming. Verse 23, which was our text. Again, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, Otherwise, completely. Now, the way he's talking there, he says, the very God of peace sanctify you. He's talking about setting you apart for His use. Every Christian in this room, every person that, that, uh, that uh, has received Jesus Christ, you're saved. Do you realize that He has taken you? He wants to, if this is the world right down through here, and buddy, it looks like it. He says, I'm going to sanctify you. I'm going to set you apart from the rest of that bunch over there. Hey, listen, and you want the Word of God with you too, because that bunch over there, they don't believe in the Word of God. And so He sets you apart. From the world that is in sin, that is wicked, and I mean vile, in these last days. Do I need to say what this world is doing? The abortion, the, the homosexuality, the perversion, the, uh, and violence. And we could go on and on and on. At what the world is. He says, I'm going to sanctify you. He said, I'm going to set you apart for the work of the ministry to do what I want to do in these last days. You've got to understand some. As time gets closer for the return of Christ, he wants us to be busy. He doesn't want us to sit back and twiddle our thumbs. He wants us to be sanctified, set apart to be used. And the reason for that, if, if, he, if he didn't sanctify, if he didn't set us apart and sit down here, sit down there. All you guys know, all you guys stand up, turn around, look at this bunch. I know it's scary, but listen. <clears throat> you know see anything about them? They all look pretty sharp. All wearing a tie. Three of them's wearing suits. Man, they've even got this spaced out. Suit, no suit, suit, no suit, suit. I mean, they've got her down, buddy. I mean, they know how, they know how to, they know how to come together on this stuff. And he's looking, and the world, as, as, as the world, if he don't sanctify you, if he doesn't set you apart, you'll never tell a difference. And what this world needs today is they need to see a difference. They need to see the real thing. Can I tell you that today, that this can be the church. Living ungodly lives may look good, but not living for the Lord. Might be in church today, but not saved. Might be in, been in church today and go out tomorrow and get back into the drink and the drug and the Immorality, the, the wickedness, the vileness of this life, the cursing, everything else. God says, wait a minute. He said, I want to sanctify you that you might be, listen to it, blameless. Blameless. The Lord is looking. He said, listen, this world needs to see a difference. Thank you, fellas. So he says, listen, there's some things that's needed in your life. As you're waiting, as you're looking unto the return of the Lord, and we're to be looking unto the return of the Lord, we're to be prepared. We're not children of the night. Those who are not saved and living 
and ungodly lives that we see now. There's, to, there's some things that Paul instructs them to, that, they, that they're to do while they're waiting. We're not just to float. You know one of the biggest problems today as far as Christians is Christians are floating. They're saying, well, the Lord's coming back. Well, He is. Well, I'm just waiting for Him to take me out of here. Wait a minute. The Lord said, I want to set you apart. I want to sanctify you. I want to use you. I want to do something with your life for my honor and glory. I want, to, to, I want this world to see the difference in your life. The act of Christian life for the Lord is the rewarding and blessed Christian life. He first instructs their actions toward others. Look with me in verse 14 and 15. He said, now we exhort you, brethren. He's talking to the Christian. He says, he, he wants to sanctify you. He wants to set you apart. He says, now, now we exhort you, brethren. He says, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. And so he said, first of all, he said, as a Christian that's been set apart in these last days to serve God, to live for the Lord, he said, there's some things that towards others that you need to get down. It may be other Christians, and it could be towards the lost world also. First of all, he says, warn the unruly. He said, well, preacher, who's the unruly? It were those who are saved, maybe, yet living away from the Lord to get their, or to warn them to get their lives back in order, to get busy living for God. If I, if, let's say that, that, uh, 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 Levi is, is out here not living for God. Matt sees what's going on and he's to encourage him. He's to, he's to say, listen, you need to get some things straight with you. And he needs to begin to work with him and try to get him back in church, get him back where he needs to be as a Christian. We're to warn the unruly. Hey, the Lord's coming back. Hey, the Bible says, hey, don't you realize the influence that you are on others around you? We're to warn those who are unruly, to get busy living for the Lord and to get them back involved. You say, well, preacher, I don't understand. I, you know, well, how do you do that? Well, it's like this. Let's say I, I, I see Justin out of church and everything. I go, hey, man, been missing you. Been missing you in church. Or maybe I, I, another Christian or somebody that, that maybe doesn't go to our church, but they're, out, they're not in church. Or they, hey, listen, I'd love to have you come to church with me. Be my friend and, and come to church uh, this coming Sunday. Sit with me and, or whatever it is. And, hey, listen, come over to my house for, for supper or for lunch after, after the services. And I begin to work with him and try to get him back in, uh, uh, walking with the Lord, his fellowship uh, back where it should be with the Lord and trying to get him where he needs to be. It also may be a lost person. Hey, listen, I can reach in my pocket, give him a gospel tract maybe, invite him to church. I pray for him that he gets saved. I give the gospel to him. We're to reach those who are the unruly. We're to warn them of the return of the Lord. Hey, listen, we need to be living for the Lord now. We have a response to others that's so important. It's not just about you. It's not just about me, but it's about others. Our life should be about others, living for, for the Lord so that others can be saved. Then he goes on, he says, comfort the feeble-minded. 
And all of you are looking around saying, I'm, I know who's feeble-minded around here. But when you look at the word that is translated into that feeble-minded, it's talking about a person who that were to actually strengthen who are taken by worry and fears. We're living in a day and time when there's a lot of fear. We're living in a time when there's a lot of uncertainties. And so that we need to help them and encourage them. And Lord, there's, there's people who are hurting because they're fearful of the day and time or maybe fearful in the, in the time with uh, uh, illnesses or whatever it might be going on in their life. And we need to comfort them and we need to encourage them and we need to help them to grow in the Lord. We're to be that person that comforts the feeble-minded. Then he says to support the weak. That's strengthening their faith because they're Little in faith and not living by faith as, as the difficulties of the last days close in, as, as things begin to change. And we're already seeing as people are getting worried about this and that. And, and I guess rightly so in some ways. They're worried about the high gas prices. They're worried about the high food prices. or They're worried about this shortage. They're worried about that shortage and, and different things going on. And, uh, Sister Martha and I was talking about, and I'd heard about it, the, I guess there's a formula shortage and uh, for babies and stuff, and most of it's being sent, uh, different ones say a lot of it's being sent to the borders, uh, instead of, uh, you know, to those who are coming across illegally. I'm not against, I'm not against giving formula to, to those who are in need of it, but you know, we've got families, uh, across this country that, that are here legally, that worked, and they can't afford it, they can't find it, but they're giving it away. And, uh, so people are worried. I understand that. There's worries about this, there's worries about that, and, and their, their faith is, and, and they say, well, why isn't God, and what we need to do is, he said, listen, in these last days, when you see these things begin to take a hold of people's lives, he said, you need to strengthen them. He, you, you need to strengthen those who are, are, are weak in their, in their, in their faith and weak in, in, in those areas of their life. We're to be patient with all people. He goes on and talks about our patience there. He says, see, none render evil for evil also. But we're to be patient towards all men. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's easy to lose my patience. You ever like that? No, you're never like that. We're all like that sometimes. But we're to be patient with all people, no matter where they are in their spiritual life. And, 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 and we're to help them move closer to the Lord. We're to be patient sometimes. You know, here's the thing that happens in a lot of people's lives. You've been saved for, let's say, 40 years. And you've been growing in the Lord and everything. And if you're not careful, you find somebody that's been saved for, for a year or two or something like that, three years, and you become impatient at where they are spiritually. You see some things in their lives and you go, oh, what, what are you doing? At? No, you've got to learn to be patient. You've got to work with them. You've got to work with them. And it's the same thing with with the lost world, we've got to learn to be patient with all men in order to reach them with the gospel. The Apostle Paul said that, that, he, be, that he became all things to all men that he might win some. But it's talking about being patient with them, having an understanding of where they're at spiritually. It may be that they're saved, but not been saved very long, but they've never really grown in the Lord. And you've got to help them along the way and be patiently and help them. You know, isn't it amazing that, that a, a child can, a little child can do some things and, and, and we're patient with that little child because we say, well, they don't know better. But you get a newborn Christian that, 
that does some things that is not right and, and we lose our patience with them. My friend, they don't know any better sometimes. And they've got to be taught. They've got to be brought along the way. The same thing with the, with the, the, the lost. A, a man one time told me, he was talking and, and um, he, he, he was doing a, a, an evaluation and, and stuff with me and, and so forth. And we was talking and he said, boy, I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> he said, I didn't know how it was going to work out. You being a preacher and you working with, with this particular person, that particular person, whatever. He said, he said honestly, he said, he said, it's been about a year. He said, I thought you'd probably kill him by now. And here's what I said. Lost people do what lost people do. And you can't expect any different. You can't expect a lost person to act, talk, and do what a Christian is supposed to act and talk like. Now sometimes we ought to expect a Christian a little more out of them. But we've got to bring them where they need to be. We're to be patient with all men, whether they're saved or whether they're lost, and begin to work with them to get them to where they need to be, even if it's salvation. Then verse 15, he says that we're to seek to do good among all men. We're not to try to get back at those who, in these last days, that will strike out at us, but we're to seek to do good that they might be turned to Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking about cowing down. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is, is that we don't spitefully try to get back at them. But what we try to do is we try to do what's right so that they see somebody doing what's right so that it speaks to their heart. This world needs to see people who will do what's right even when they've been done wrong. So what's needed today, he said, listen, during this time before I'm preparing to come back, he said, do good unto all men. Don't render evil for evil to any man. But ever follow that which is good. Do that which is good. Do that which is right. You've heard me say it before, but old uh, uh, Bob Jones Sr., the old preacher, he had a wrestle bars. And he used to, he had a message that called do right. He said, do right. Do right. Do right till the stars fall. And he would belch that out and he would, he'd preach along the wall and he'd say, do right, do right till the stars fall. He'd preach a little longer and he'd say, do right, do right until the stars fall. What I'm saying is, hey, listen, we ought to do right. Doesn't matter what happens. While we're waiting on the Lord, let us do right to others and care about the testimony of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then Paul turns from our actions towards others. He turns to that which is directly touches our walk with the Lord Himself in these days. Look with me, verse 16. He said, Rejoice evermore. You know, when you're gone to camp or going to camp and you got to quote a verse, you usually look for one of these verses. It's got two words in it rejoice evermore. Or Jesus wept. We used to, when I was running a camp, we, we, we'd let them, we, they had verses that they had to memorize all week, and then usually before they went in to eat. We did this, they lined up, and they had to say verses before they went in and eat their meal. And um, there's a verse for that day, and they have to say it. 
And then usually the last day we say, okay, you can, you can, you can, any verse that you've memorized, any verse that you've got memorized, you can, you can say it. And they, and they'd walk up there, big smaller face. They said, Jesus wept. John 11, 35. I said, to the end of the line. <laughs> they said, but you said any verse. I said, yes. And while you're back here, you can go ahead and weep like Jesus did. <laughs> But he said, rejoice evermore. Even in the times in which we're in. He said, I want you to learn to rejoice. This world needs to see a people that can rejoice in difficult times. This world needs to see some people that have something to rejoice about. Our rejoicing is not in the problems. Our rejoicing is not in the struggles. Our rejoicing is not in the death. Our rejoicing is not in war. Our rejoicing is not, but our rejoicing is in the Lord. There's so much for the Christian to rejoice about and, and, and re, rejoice in and rejoice for. Hey, listen, if nothing else, you ought to be rejoiced because your name's written down in heaven. That you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. You ought to rejoice. Hey, listen, I, a few verses before that, it says that, that, that we're not, that, that not going to be here for the tribulations. I rejoice in that. I don't want to be here. Amen. We ought to rejoice that we have in our hands. And we sit here uh, tonight in, in, in America where we have the freedom to hold the Word of God and to get up here and preach the Word of God and even preach against the, the wickedness of our government and different ones or whatever it is, whatever lines up with the Word of God. We have the freedom to do that. And oh, how we need to rejoice because we have a Savior that loves us and He's coming back. And yet so many times it's hard for people to find something to rejoice about. Hey, listen, if you know Christ your Savior, there ought to be some rejoicing in your heart and life. Oh, but preacher, you got this problem, with that problem. I understand, but rejoice yes. evermore. He didn't say when things are going good. He didn't say when, when things are, are, are the way you want to be. He said rejoice evermore. Verse 17 says pray without ceasing. We need to be a praying people in this day and time. One of the greatest privileges, one of the greatest opportunities, one of the greatest powers... One of the greatest strengths that a Christian has is the ability to pray. To pray. I think that we take prayer too lightly. I think that we look at it as a formality. I think that we look at it as just something, yeah, I'm just supposed to pray this, say that, whatever. And we don't put our hearts into prayer. He says, pray without ceasing. Pray continually, seeking the Lord, walking with Him. You say, preacher, I, I understand. I, I can pray every morning, maybe at noon when I eat or whatever, and then that night before I go to bed, but pray without ceasing? Yeah, pray continually. There can be a prayer in your heart and life continually as you go through the day. And, and, and it's just like, a, a, you know, most of us carry those cell phones now. You could almost just, just put it on, put your, uh, uh, your wife or somebody on the phone. You know, you put it up, you know, if you're driving, they got, a lot of times they got the little thing. You can uh, snap your phone into it like that there. And, and, and you can drive down the road and you can look at her. You can talk and everything just continually as you're going anymore. Uh, and you say, well, well, she's got to get busy and do something. That's okay. She can, she can lay that phone up there she can wash the dishes and and she can cook your meal and and all that sort of stuff and and then you can and while you go into the store and buy her some roses and some candy for doing all that stuff uh, uh you can keep on talking to her can't you amen ladies you just blew it you had a chance to amen right there <laughs> but an even greater opportunity is that we can pray continually 
And we should be praying. See a brother or sister in need. Pray for them right then. Two or three times this past week, people have come up to me and, hey, I'd like you to pray about this or pray about that. And I say, okay, let's pray. Stop in public where I was at and pray with them right then. Why? Because I might forget. Plus, I know the need for them to know that I am praying for them. If I, walk, if I say, okay, I'll pray for you, and I walk away, they don't know if I'm going to pray for them or not. They hope that I will. But there's a reason that they came to me, and that's because they had enough confidence in me to ask me to pray for them. Every Christian in this room, people ought to have confidence in you that you will pray for them and that you will pray with them. And that you are serious enough about it that you'll get a hold of God. That you're not, not going to throw something up there. Oh, I'll be with so-and-so. I mean, I, No. But with your heart, you desire to see their lives touched in the area that they're talking about, but in every single area beyond that in their life. Many times when I pray with somebody, if I'm not sure whether they're saved or not, I go ahead and pray and thank God for saving my soul, going to the cross and dying in my place, shedding His precious blood so that I can have eternal life. And I pray that the Lord will draw them to Him in their presence. Why? I don't care who you are. You need to get closer to God. I don't care if you're saved. I don't care if you've been saved for 75 years. You need to get closer to God. He said, pray without ceasing. Continually pray. Seek the Lord. And, and He said, while you're waiting... For my return, he said, pray without ceasing. Oh, that people would see the power of prayer in our day and time. Others will then seek you out to, to pray for them, and you can be that witness for the Lord in prayer. Verse 18 says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. He didn't say give thanks when things are going good. He said, in everything give thanks. He didn't say give thanks to, uh, just when uh, things are going your way or when it's easy. But in everything, give thanks. You know why? Because this world is watching your life and watching my life. And if we can give thanks even in the struggles of life, if we can give thanks in even the, the minuscule things, or the small things of our life, if we can give thanks unto the Lord, uh, it, it makes an impression in their hearts and lives. Doesn't matter what it is. Well, preacher, I just had a flat tire. You want me to give thanks for that? You really, really probably ought to. Because if that tire would have been aired up, who knows? You might have been in a wreck out on the street. What a pray. What a pray. We don't know how the Lord's working. My daughter, Bethany, her father-in-law, which is with the Lord now, used to be over our Christian school that we had. and He would take them to state competition. Then if there was enough of them, they would go to internationals. One year they was headed to Flagstaff, Arizona. Had the bus driving out to Flagstaff. Brother Bell loved McDonald's coffee. Uh, he, just, he just loved it. He just loved that McDonald's coffee. The whole day, or for many hours that morning, uh, and they would start real early that morning, it, most of them was asleep 
on the bus there and he was following an old Dominion truck. All of a sudden, he seen a McDonald's sign. And he thought, oh, sure, one of those coffees be good about now, but maybe I'm going down the road. He says, just like he'd been praying and stuff, he says, just like the Lord said, get your coffee. So he pulls off the road, goes in, gets his coffee. A few of them got off and went and used the restroom and may have got some things, I don't know. Come back out, got on the bus and went down the road. Five minutes down the road, that old Dominion truck and several other vehicles was all wadded up in a big wreck. Oh, rejoice. Rejoice in all things. We don't know. You say, well, preacher, what about when you get that bad word? Brother Duke Etherton had lymphoma, came up on his arm. He went to a doctor and, and she said, oh, it's just a girl, no big deal. If I take it off, it'll, it'll come back. And he showed it to me. I said, Duke, I said, you better go talk to somebody that knows something about cancer. I said, I think that's cancer. He went to another doctor and they just about blew up, said, I cannot believe that they did not do something. And it was the cancer, that lymphoma. By then, it went all through his body. They did treatments and stuff and different things. And it came down. He, he made it through. He just fought through the battle for a while. It finally got down to the point he was in the hospital. Continually, Brother Duke was rejoicing in the Lord. He took a bunch of tracks with him when he went into the hospital. And one day I was talking to him on the phone. He said, you coming down anytime soon? I said, yeah. I said, I need some more tracks. Every nurse, night nurse, day nurse, doctor, any of them that came into his room, he'd tell them about the Lord. And he'd give them gospel track. An opportunity to be a witness for the Lord. Duke was that way. I mean, we'd go, we'd go out soul winning sometime, go knocking on doors, and I'd pull up at the gas station, be pumping gas in my, in my truck and, and, and put up and go in and pay for it. And I come back out, I look, I couldn't find him anywhere. He's out walking around on the street, passing out tracks to everybody come by. Laying in the hospital, rejoicing. Rejoicing that the Lord had given him an opportunity to lead somebody to the Lord that morning. He said, preacher, he said, you know, if I hadn't been here in this hospital, he said, I wouldn't have got to let him to the Lord. Rejoicing in everything. Rejoice evermore. Be that witness. Rejoice in what the Lord has laid before us. We need to, to give him thanks for those things. Give him thanks in, in all that he's put in our path. Verse 19 says, quench not the spirit. We need to keep a short account in our lives as far as sin. And when we fail the Lord, we need to make it right. First John 1 John 1.9 says, We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Keep a short count. Quench not the Spirit. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit that dwells within you, don't quench the Spirit. Don't allow sin to remain. Follow after the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Obey the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Be a, a part of, uh, of the work of God as He's trying to do things in your life. There was uh, There's been times in my life that... 
And the Holy Spirit says, I, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And there, there's been some times I've, I've just about not done that. And, and it's just, I could tell that you know, I was supposed to. And there was different things that, that would, that I could talk about about that. But my friend, don't, don't say no to the Holy Spirit as He's leading and guiding because He's trying to use you in a powerful way in the hearts and lives of somebody else. I remember walking in the hospital one time and, and I'd been up, I was visiting with a lady that was, on some life support and, and stuff there and, and, and the family and visit with him. And when I left there, I come out of the hall and started walking down the hall and around the corner I went and then there's a man standing down there. He said, Hey, you the preacher? Yeah. Well, I'm a preacher. I don't know about the preacher. I am. He said, Did you come in here and talk to my mom? I was in a hurry. I wanted to leave the hospital. The Holy Spirit said, go down there and talk to her. Went down there and went in the room, didn't know who they were. And talked to that man's mama about the Lord. I don't know if she ever got saved. But the Holy Spirit has an appointment for you and me in the lives of other people. Quench not the Spirit as the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us, sometimes the Holy Spirit says, hey, give them five bucks. <laughs> he didn't say give you the five dollars. <laughs> but he might. He might. There's been times people come to my office and they're wanting help, and sometimes it's like, hmm. And then there's times that the Holy Spirit says, you help them. Quench not the Spirit of God. Some of you, sometimes in those good old song services, Holy Spirit says, why don't you give me some praise? He said, I'm a Baptist. <laughs> I don't care what you are. You should be a Christian. Well, mm. I praise the Lord. Don't quench the Spirit of God. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says, Hey, listen, I want you on that altar. I want you to pray about this or that. Well, I can take care of it here. He says, No, I want you on the altar. Don't quench the Spirit. Sometimes He wants you to share the gospel with somebody. Don't quench the Spirit. The Lord has a desire for your life and my life, and the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us and work in our hearts and lives. Don't quench the Spirit. Despise not prophesying. The preached Word is given to us to direct us, to change us, to help us conform into the image of His Son. The Word of God may be preached, may be taught, and it may hit a spot like, ah, I don't, ah, ah. My friend, don't despise the prophecy. Don't despise the Word of God as He leads us and guides us in our day and time, as He works in our lives. Verse 21, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Otherwise, line up your life with all things 
in all things concerning your life with the Word of God and, and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Hey, listen, there's a lot of things in this world that a lot of people say, and I'm talking about Christians will say it's good, but it's not lining up with the Word of God. You better get it in line with the Holy Spirit. You better get it in line with the Word of God. You better get it in line with that. Hey, listen, prove all things. Uh, hold fast to that which is good. If it's not what the, the I, I've had, I've had some preachers come to me. Well, what about hey, you want you, you want to get you want to be a part of this and part of that? And, I, and it's like, I don't think that quite lines up. Some of it sometimes. Part of it would, and part of it wouldn't. And I'm like, I can't do that. I can't do that. There's those who, who want you to link up with, with other, uh, other, other so-called uh, preachers and stuff like that and denominations that don't believe in the virgin birth, don't believe in the blood atonement, don't believe uh, in, in, in the things of God uh, 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 like the Bible says. And there's no way I can link up with that. I, I've got to align myself with the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Just because it's called to church, just because it's this, doesn't mean, if it don't line up with the Word of God, don't, don't take a part of it. Make sure in these last days that we're lining up with the Word of God. I'm not talking about lining up with a, a name over a door. I'm talking about lining up with the Word of God. That name over that door is not going to get you to heaven. That name over that door, hey, listen, that's not going to make you right in the eyes of God. What's going to make the difference is lining up with this book right here. And with the Holy Spirit of God as He leads us and guides us. If you don't have peace, then don't. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then don't. But those things to do, take a hold of those good things that the Lord has laid before you and live for His honor and glory. Verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Hey, listen, it's time for Christians to clean it up. In this old world, clean up their lives and their testimonies. Turn away from the sinful things of this world and the ungodly things of this world. Hey, listen, we need some Christians that, uh, not just some, but we need all Christians to, to uh, uh, do what's right, to uh, uh, abstain from the very appearance of evil. You say, well, well preacher, uh, what do you mean? I'm talking about if it looks bad, if it's a bad testimony, if it might mislead somebody, don't. I've probably used this illustration here before, but years ago, and it's a lot different now than it was then, but in a little old town of Piedmont, there was a package liquor store. I think I told this not too long ago, but there was a package liquor store there that, that had a that sold fishing tackle in, in the town of Piedmont. There wasn't any other place selling fishing tackle in the, in, in the town of Piedmont. If you bought any, you'd have to buy them out at the, at the boat dock. But uh, they were selling, the, the, the white bass were running, and I mean, I, I like to fish. And, I, and the white bass, if you can catch them running, man, I tell you what, that's good fishing. And they, and they fight like a, uh, like a swordfish or something. I, they're, they're, they're good fighters. And, and, uh, and, and they were selling, it's called a Tony, and it was a certain color. It was like a, a, a bronze color that had a little, uh, like a rooster tail on it. And it had uh, little uh, orange-like feathers in, in with the, the brown, bronzy colored ones. And it had a, a bronzy spoon on it that had little gold colors cuts in it and, and everybody else had tried everything else and that is the only thing it would catch them. They said, you can get them down at Zeke's. I said, uh-uh. If I go into Zeke's and I come out carrying a little brown bag, everybody in this town is going to say, 
Mm -hmm. Preaches against uh, liquor and all that, but look what he come out of there with. Carrying a big six pack. Carrying his bottle of whiskey. Carrying, carrying his, uh, what is that stuff you guys got? I'm carrying up. <laughs> the testimony wasn't worth it. He say, well, you didn't get to go fishing. Oh, yeah, I did. God provided me one of them Tonys that a guy had bought down at Popper Bluff. He said, I got one. I'll give it to you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Abstain from the very appearance of evil. I understand things are a little different now in some of those situations. Walmart sells it, liquor, and gas stations sell liquor, and everybody sells liquor. It's a little bit different in this day and time about that, about that appearance of evil, but at that day and time, there was a difference. Abstain, not just from the evil, but the appearance of it. We've got to get Christians back to where they need to be. Let's be preserved and found blameless at the coming of our Lord. And while we're doing so, we'll be pointing others to our Savior, Jesus Christ, that they might be saved. And it'll encourage other Christians also and help them to grow in the Lord. But most of all, It'll bring honor and glory to the Lord. Let's bow. Father, thank you for loving us. Help us to be found blameless. Lord, we look forward to that return of our Savior in the air for the rapture to catch us out of here. And while we wait, Lord, help us to be busy for you, to serve you, to magnify you, to glorify you, to exalt you. Lord, have your own way in the invitation. Lord, may there be a determination. Lord, you said pray without ceasing. Maybe we need to find a place tonight and pray about some things. Lord, you said to rejoice. Maybe we just need to come to this altar and just rejoice. Maybe the Holy Spirit's doing with our heart about something that wasn't even preached about. May we yield to the Spirit of God. Lord, may we line up our lives with the Word of God about the things of this world. Have your will way in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed?